0: with us and the people from his church and this next Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday we will have the Wisconsin Youth Corps, group of young people meeting there at Watertown. They will be passing out literature, canvassing on the streets and talking to people about the special services and about the goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God, 18th, 19th, 20th and 21st of August, we will have Wisconsin Youth Corps down in Richland Center, Brother Bigsby's church. Brother Bigsby will be our guest speaker this next weekend, Sunday morning and Sunday evening. He's a very outstanding man of God, and we will have a great time with Brother Bigsby. We had a good time last weekend with Brother Lehman, didn't we? Praise God. Oh, the Lord is great. Now, Saturday at 1 o'clock. The men will play softball. It's in the bulletin board. I say in the bulletin in the bulletin. Don't know if it's on the bulletin board or not, but it, we will be playing at the uh, park over on uh, Fair Oaks, Thurber Park. All right, Thurber Park. Can't remember that name, but uh, we'll be playing softball at one o'clock. Now we will have umpires. And some of you will have to serve, hopefully not me, but if my name is drawn, then I will be. I'll assure you, I don't know much about it. So if I'm chosen as an umpire, I probably will do just as bad as you will do if you're chosen. But we'll all have a good time. Praise God. (laughs) Hallelujah. Well, have you ever thought about just giving up Well, if you have, you need to stop it. (laughs) Praise God. That's a bunch of garbage. That's what the devil would like for you to keep your mind on. Isn't that right? right? Praise God. I told you that I would talk to you tonight about the hedge of thorns. And it's kind of a completion of this morning's message. And I don't know uh, how you felt, but I enjoyed preaching. You know what's good to preach? Praise God. And you who are not preachers, you ought to try it sometime. Just get in a closet someplace so nobody can hear you. And just give it all you got. See how it feels. It would be terrible for you to go through life not knowing, wouldn't it? (laughs) Praise God. I'll let you be seated. We normally have you to stand when we read our scripture, but we want to make some remarks here before we really get into what we want to preach about. We talked about the carnal mind and the spiritual mind. And certainly when you set uh, issues straight in your mind and settle things in your mind, there is a peace that comes that passes all understanding. Praise God. I have felt a surge of victory this week. Had a little bout with uh, swelling in my leg and a lot of pain. And I felt when Brother Bailey was back here back last uh, November, felt the touch of the Lord in the, in the joint of my ankle that I've been having problems with. And I just really have claimed the victory over that. But a couple of afternoons this last week, I just got real sick with some swelling in my uh, my leg. And I just really do thank God for allowing this thing to come my way because uh, it just did something to my relationship with the Lord. I had a couple of afternoons in which I, I just... Uh, Propped my leg up and took it easy and prayed and felt God. All of a sudden, uh, Thursday afternoon, I don't know what time it was, around 3 o'clock, I took the heating pad off my leg. I got up, put my shoes on. I came down, I came upstairs. I was in the basement. And I told Sister Grandma, I said, I'm going over to East Town. And she said, uh, Well, why? I said, I don't know, just for, for some reason, I just feel like that God has touched me and I'm healed. And Brother O'Neill was here praying at the church. And uh, it seemed like the Lord just gave him a vision. Uh, he didn't know if it was me or what. I went on over to Easttown and came back, and then he called and said, Brother Grant, is everything all right? He said, I've been praying for you. And I said, I feel real good. And he said, well, I, I just had this vision, I guess. Just uh, saw somebody and saw their leg, and I saw this uh, black thing just kind of move right out of their foot. And I just felt impressed to call you. Praise God. And I believe the Lord heard Brother O'Neill's prayer. Praise God. Now, you know, uh, isn't it great to have a physician like the Lord and uh, to have nurses like George O'Neill you know, and <laughs> <that>, uh, <clears throat> kind of direct you to the doctor and <clears throat> give you a lot of comfort. Isn't that great? Now, where could you find fellowship like that? You you just can't find it any place uh, uh, unless you come to church, unless you are involved in the work of the Lord. Praise God. The Lord has been just so special to me lately. Uh... I can't really say that in the last uh, month or so that I have really gotten down to hard praying. Now you may say, Oh, I have had a relationship with the Lord that I feel has been so powerful and so precious. And yet it's been totally different. Now every now and then, I will get a little bit, what should I say, discouraged or something will come, and I don't know what to do about it. And I've instructed the young ministers of our church when this happens, uh, don't come into the altar and weep and cry around, have a pity party. You know, come in the door, pull off your coat and roll up your sleeves, and come in here fighting the devil. Now, I do that real often. Uh, you know, just roll up my sleeves and, man, I just start preaching. My prayer just rolled. It's really great. Thursday night's admonition to you was something that, that I felt the Lord really wanted me to say. And the reason why, because just, it seems like recently, I have felt as much power in God just through... Uh, I mean, just a good conversation. Like pull up the chair type thing and let's have a little chat. You know, just comfortable in God. Confident in God. Everything going good, Brother Grant? Oh, you know better than that. Man is born a woman a few days and full of trouble. That's the way Job wrote it. I don't know if he said it that way. But it sounded to me like he ought to have if he didn't. See? Well, Felix sure makes a mess up here. Come up here and clean this off, boy. <laughs> That's all especially normal to do that. <laughs> Good stewardship, because all this spilled water is cracking the pulpit. Look at it. Water's coming right out of the pulpit. Praise God. (laughs) Hallelujah. The book of Revelation contains a scripture that I'd like to start with tonight, Revelation 22, verse 17. And I preach this message... To the child of God who has a wayward or lost loved one. I feel that this will be encouragement to you. Sunday night usually is evangelistic all the way. And to our guests who are here we trust that there will be something said that will be meaningful to you also. Revelation twenty two, seventeen, and the spirit and the bride say come, and let him heareth say come, and let him that is athirst come, and whosoever will let him take the water of life. Most people who have unsaved loved ones can manifest more faith. Maybe I shouldn't say more faith. They can manifest a greater burden and less faith than they can for other people. You can meet a a stranger, a rank stranger, and have less burden but more faith for his salvation than you can your loved ones. And yet your loved ones, usually you have more of a burden and less faith. And the reason why is because you are so close to them. You're related, you're kin to them. You know their weaknesses. You know practically every word they have spoken in the last six, eight, nine months. You know how much they oppose God, how much they oppose the truth, and how much they endorse it. And sometimes information like this is very detrimental to your faith. very detrimental to your faith you hear a lot of things from your loved ones that will just tear your faith down to zero and sometimes when you present the burden to somebody else they see your burden but not your lack of faith and so they manifest not quite the burden but they manifest more faith than you do we trust tonight that in this message you can put forth the proper burden and the proper faith to see your loved one saved. Now the scripture that I've read is a scripture that lays the foundation for eternal life. Nobody can be saved unless they want to be saved. And Brother Oggs preached such a beautiful message on the want to. Wasn't that a beautiful message that he preached? They'll want to. I remember some time ago, it must have been close to ten years ago, when Brother Rose was here at a youth convention. Maybe it wasn't ten years ago. And and Kathy, seven years ago. And Patty were just coming into the church. And he came, and of course they showed a film. And it was a different film because... Uh, the person that was saved in the film was not the person they thought would be saved. And, of course, I served on the panel and I didn't really realize what I was saying at the time. But the question was asked, can God save anybody? And the reason why the question was asked to the panel members is because that there was a man in there was so hard and he just vowed that he'd never accept the Lord. And there was another man who seemed to be on the verge of it. And he never did. Can God save anyone? And of course my answer must have been real shocking, and I didn't realize it was so controversial until I made it. But my answer was, no, God cannot save just anybody. Now, And the reason why I drew that conclusion is because the Scripture points out that God does not work contrary to the wishes of a man. And there are certain people, and it's not God's will that any should perish. Now the Bible tells us, if God had his way, everybody in the world would be saved. But there are people that die lost, which indicates that God can't save just everybody. Now what I am calling your attention to tonight, I have spoken to you in many, many sermons here behind this pulpit. I'd like to think that God would just save everybody. But God has regulated himself to a particular principle. And the principle that he's regulated himself to is this. I don't want any unwilling servants. And so he does not choose to save a person against their wishes. Against their wishes. Now, God, however, has ways to change your thinking. And that's where I stopped in my message this morning. God has ways of changing your mind about certain things. Listen to me. There are people right here in this assembly that do not claim to be born again that I believe through faith you will change your mind. I used to attend the Pentecostal assembly, and I thought that our preacher was the corniest person I had ever heard preach. He was not a well-educated man. And I just thought that he preached some of the corniest things. I thought, now, anybody that doesn't have better sense than that ought not be preaching. Well, I've been trying for a long time. He can still preach better than I can. But that, that was my opinion. And, of course, we had some people in our church that could not read and they couldn't write. They were just illiterate people. And so I didn't really want to get involved with it. I just didn't really care to get involved with it. Of course, the part of the country that that I came from, uh, we had quite a few people in that area that could not read or write. It was a very poor part of the country. A lot of the old-timers had to work in the fields. My grandfather went three years to school, only three years, and he never got out of the first grade. And the reason why is because he'd go a couple of months, and he had then to take off and work the crops and harvest the crops. And he just couldn't get through. And so his dad just took him out. Now, you wouldn't think that they'd have a first grader working in the fields, but, friend, they did. The whole family. But now I'll tell you something about a society like that. There are strong family ties, and when it comes right down to it, saved or not, the family units are more compatible to Bible Scripture than what our modern-day families are that have a high education. Because the American system is approaching the point in which The devil has so wrapped it around his finger that it becomes almost, I use the word almost, impossible for a person to live according to the scripture, without changes in changing his entire culture. See? And that's what the devil's wanting. That's what the devil's wanting. Because if he can wrap a culture around his finger to the point in which for them to live according to Scripture, they've got to change their whole culture, which is, is a very difficult thing, then the devil has that society wrapped up. Now, he had other societies in which they reached the point that it was nigh impossible. Of course, what is impossible with man is possible with God. When Jesus allowed the Apostle John to write of the seven churches of Asia, he pointed out difficult situations within their environment that made it very, very hard for the people to serve the Lord. However, he threw a clause in each one of the letters at the ending of that letter. The summary of the letter, the signing off, he said, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And you can see that. To he that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne. So he throws in the word overcometh. And that word overcometh is a very, very important word. See, you can be a Christian and not be an overcoming Christian. See? Now, overcoming simply means that every obstacle that's placed in your path becomes a stepping stone to a greater victory. In other words, you are coming over or going over that crises. And when Paul says, I glory in tribulation. Now, the reason why that I said, I thank the Lord for the sickness that came my way this past week. Now, ordinarily, I wouldn't speak that way, but that's just the that's Bible vernacular. It's not always easy to say, I thank you, Lord, for the trouble I'm having. And at the same time, have faith that it's not going to be that way. But the Bible says in whatever state you're in, you should be content. Now, it doesn't mean be content with sickness to the point that you just learned to live with it. It's simply being, having peace in your heart and feeling good about your relationship with God, regardless of what comes or what goes. See? Now, the reason why that I feel so much led to preach this message is because of the good number of people who have called me within the last month and said, Pastor Grant, pray with me for my father. Or pray with me for my mother. Or I have a sister who is unsaved. I have a son who does not know the Lord. I have a daughter who is wayward. Pastor Grant, help me pray. And I trust that I'll be able to give you some advice here tonight that will help you to really believe God for the salvation of your loved one. How many of you have loved ones that are unsaved? All right. Now, this message is primarily intended for unsaved loved ones. Now, the reason why I say I believe that when it comes to your loved ones, that you have a relationship with your loved ones, entirely different from the relationship of a person who you're not related to. Now, the Apostle Paul covers this in 1 Corinthians 7, when he speaks of a saved wife and an unsaved husband. See? And he says the husband is sanctified by the wife and the wife by the husband. And then, of course, he goes on to talk about the sanctity of the children as a result of saved parents. Now basically what he's saying when he says the husband saved by the wife, or sanctified by the wife, and the wife by the husband, and then of course he talks about sanctification of the children. Now he's not saying they're saved because you're saved. Sanctification means they're set apart. It means God has an open road to their life through you. And what he's encouraging in 1 Corinthians 7 is keep, the road open. Don't lock the door. Because when the door is locked, then because that they are rebellious against God, the avenue is shut off. Now Christians become open channels for unsaved people. John the Baptist became an open channel to the Lord. He was to make all of the rugged roads smooth. He was to take the winding, crooked paths and make them straight. Basically, what John was to do was to make a wide avenue where everybody could travel on it, that wanted to travel on it, and they could find Jesus. And that's what we're talking about tonight. That we need to so live our lives that... People can, if they want to be saved, find God through us. An open avenue, an open channel to the Lord. Now, I said I would entitle this, The Hedge of Thorns. And of course, I spoke to you about this several years ago. And uh, it was something that was called to my attention by the Lord in prayer, uh, I would say many years ago. But in Hosea, the second chapter, verse 6, we will read the Scripture text for tonight. Therefore, Hosea 2, verse 6, Behold, I will hedge up thy way with thorns, and make a wall, and she shall not find her paths. Now, this is such a uh, a different type of Scripture. Hosea is praying for his adulterous wife. Now, God did something in the Old Testament that's very strange. Now, you will notice that some of the relationships that people had in the Old Testament are not condoned in the New Testament. The reason why is because there were types and shadows. This was one of them. God instructed one of his prophets, I mean a powerful man, to go down to the red light district and pick out a woman. Now, that's strange indeed. God said, Hosea, I want you to go down... To the street where all the prostitutes hang out and I want you to find a wife now that must have blown that prophet's mind now he had to have known the voice of God otherwise I'm sure that if he lived in the area of mediocrity like a lot of people they'd have probably ran to the pastor and said was that God or the devil and I might have been one of them because that would have been a very bitter pill to swallow. But, so down he goes, and he meets this one woman by the name of Gomer. Now, I don't even like her name. I mean, would you like to have a name like that, Gomer? If you're here and your name is Gomer, uh aha. I'm sure I have offended you, and I owe you a public apology. So, But anyway, here's Gomer. And so, Hosea begins to court her and ask her to marry him. Now, she's so flattered that somebody of his caliber would even pay her any attention. So what does he do? He marries her. Now, after he marries her and after she bears children by him, she then begins to think about her former life and all of the lovers that she had prior to this beautiful relationship that she had with Hosea. Now God is directing this type of relationship for Hosea to be involved in because it was to parallel his relationship with adulterous Israel. And God was allowing it to happen so that Hosea could prophesy to the household of Israel. And he was using this woman as a parallel with his relationship to Israel. So God chose the woman. And Hosea marries her, bears children by her. Then she begins to think about her former life, and all of a sudden something happens in her brain. She begins to think so carnally, and she doesn't think right. And all of a sudden she goes after these men. She leaves the household, forsakes her children, forsakes her husband, Leaves the household, and when this happens, Hosea begins to consider what has happened, and all of a sudden, as he begins to seek God, God directs him that what he needs to do is pray that God would wall up thorns around her. Now, what he does then he begins to pray that God would wall up these thorns and God promises Hosea I will do it now Hosea played a very important part in such a scheme because when God did this the intent was that, that Gomer would not be able to find her paths now now what has happened here is that all of her former lovers that all of a sudden won her affection and when she began to think back of her former life and she became so desirous of it she went back out on the streets. Here walks one of these men by that frequents the district where she came from. And here's Gomer. Gomer. And he looks at her and says, Wow. Well, what's wrong with me? I'm okay. They passed her on by. You see, the purpose of the wall of thorns around her was so that God could protect her and yet at the same time put extreme pressure on Gomer. Now you see what happens when you're praying for a person that doesn't want to be saved, you are praying a prayer that is impossible for God to answer because God has so designed in His plan that He will not save a person against their will. And when you are praying for an unsaved person, a loved one or not, you are praying one of the most difficult prayers that you will ever pray in your entire life. Because you're battling against the will of an individual that does not want to serve God, and God says, if you don't want to, you don't have to. And you're talking about a very difficult position for you to be put into. You're in a difficult one altogether. And while you're praying, God save my Father. God please save my Father. And you've got such a burden that God will save your Father. God save my Father. Your Father is going on to His church that's steeped in tradition and false doctrines. And while you're talking to him about the beautiful apostolic way, he's saying, I don't want to be apostolic. Save your prayers, son. You're not going to touch me. I've taught you everything that you know. You're not going to convert me. So don't pray for me. Leave me alone. Now, does God answer prayer? He does, but He can't answer that one. Now, that puts God in a no-win situation. He is forced to do something about your praying, and yet at the same time He can't. Because the person says, I don't want to be saved. Now that is a difficult place for God to be in. And so you're praying, God save my grandmother. Grandmother's rocking and saying, I'm saved already. God save my aunt. And your aunt says, church for me, never. Never. God save my grandfather. Oh, I'm as good as all the rest of the hypocrites. See? God saved my wife. Oh, come on now. Just because you went and flipped your wig over God and over church doesn't mean I'm supposed to. See? And, and God cannot save them against their will. Now, The situation is is that God must, because of your prayers, design certain circumstances to change the individual's will. Now, it's pretty difficult for you when you're praying for a loved one, of which you have a deep burden for, but not too much faith for, because you hear all these negative things, it's hard for you to believe that God will change circumstances in which they will want to be saved. In other words, you live so close to the situation. The old saying, you know, I can't see the forest for the trees. Or I can't see the trees for the forest. In other words, you're so close to the situation. And you hear all the negative feedback. And while you're just being so sweet, all of a sudden that loved one that you've been praying for my, that sweet smile turns into a real frown and you talking about bitter and upset and having an obsession against God and, and, and being as mean as the devil himself. Now, I could tell you, we've got husbands right here in this congregation that were just so unfavorable when their wives found the Lord. And we've got some wives here that were equally as rebellious. Now, brother and sister Gifford not here, but you remember how Sister Mary used to just pray? And she every service, she said, she'd come up to me and said, Brother Grant, are you still praying for Steve? And Steve would come, and of course Steve would sit back on the back, and he'd have his hands folded up like this. And you talking about lamb blasting that woman when she went home, he did it. Really? He physically beat her up a couple of times. Now you know he feels so badly about that. But nevertheless, he is saved. But you see, Sister Mary just kept on praying, God save Steve! I want you to touch him, Lord! I want you to fill him with the Holy Ghost! And Steve was saying, Ha! Never, 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 never. You'll never get me to become a member of Calvary Gospel Church. In fact, he even said, Your preacher looks ugly and mean and he can't preach. And Now, who said amen? Oh, I'll tell you. I'm going to pray a hedge of thorns around him. But... Uh, but, but see, this, this was his reaction. And do you know, the more she prayed, the worse he got. And the reason why that he got so ornery, well, let me put it this way. How many of you would like to live in a house that's covered with thorns? When you grow weary and you sit down, you sit on cushions that are not really cushions, but thorns. And when you lie down on your bed at night to rest, the mattress is full of thorns. And when you lean against the wall, it's thorns. It's thorns everywhere! And after a while, your sweet, charming personality... Changes. I mean, just changes. Now, you see, this is what God said that He would do to Gomer. We're going to build a wall of thorns around her. And you see that sweet smile that she used to have for her lovers. It's not going to be so sweet I mean to tell you, she's going to be so miserable, and when they walk by, they won't want to touch her with a ten-foot pole. And that's what happened. Well, they walked by, and they saw this woman, and they thought, my, what an old hag. She used to be so sweet, and look at her now. Now, I'm here to tell you that God can so design a plan in which All your friends can forsake you. That's what God did to this woman. And everything that she started to do, people just forsook her. They turned their back on her. They walked away. They wouldn't have anything to do with her. Her personality had so changed, she became so irritable. Why? Because she was living in a house of thorns! But the secret to this was that Hosea was to be real sweet to his wife. Why? Because God said, I can't save her against her wishes, but I will so design a device in which... Everybody in the world is going to look bad to Gomer but one person, namely Hosea. And he's going to say, Charming and sweet, and he's going to have his arms open, and she's going to look around and she's going to say, My, this wife that lured me back out into the world, that painted such a beautiful picture in my mind that captured my heart and took me away from my husband is not what it used to be. Now, it just might be that your loved one has never been in the church. Your loved one that you've been praying for doesn't really know God. And it just might be that they are opinionated. They may have all kinds of opinions. And some opinions they form... They're true opinions because they see you make mistakes. They know that you've made mistakes. They know that you've done things that are not right. Sometimes in your infant stages of Christianity, you do some very weird things. You know, trying to really please the Lord. Brother Steve Dahl is here, isn't he? Where's Brother Steve? He stepped out. I wanted to tell this while he was in here. But I remember when he came to the Lord. You know, he walked in my office and, oh, he was just uh, eaten up with conviction. And and uh, God had really talked to his heart. And my brother, John Geminder had witnessed to him and talked to him about coming to the Lord. Well, uh, you know, this was just stirring inside of him. And he was just eating alive by conviction. But he had a, pl- a plan to go to Las Vegas. So I remember him walking in my office and sitting down, and, you know, he's just, Steve's pretty aggressive, you know, and so he's just, uh, his hands are going, you know, and he was telling me all about he how much he loved the Lord and all this, and no problem there. And then all of a sudden he said, Now, I really want to give my heart all together to the Lord. You know, this John, a friend of mine, he's all, you know, he's gung-ho in the Lord. Now, I'm not for sure that I want to be that fanatical, but, uh, you know, and going on and on and on. He said, Now, But what I'd like to do, I'd like to first go to Las Vegas, and then I'd like to come back and give my heart to the Lord. you think that's all right? Well, he said, I said, Well, do you plan on doing anything wrong while you're in Las Vegas? Well, I'm at, uh, you know, know Vegas. I said, Well, if you plan on doing anything wrong, I believe that uh, you've asked the wrong person. You know, I'm not God, and I don't know if God would forgive you. But uh, we do have a place down by the pulpit in front of the church that that you can come and pray and uh, ask God if He will forgive you. And if He says it's all right to go to Vegas and sin uh, against His Word, then I guess that's all right. I mean, sin's a transgression against the law of God. I don't have anything to do with it. See, it's between you and God. Now, if He'll let you off the hook, well, I'll let you off the hook well, needless to say, he didn't go to Vegas. I don't know if he even came and prayed about it, to tell you the truth. He went later to Vegas, but that's after he got his feet on the ground. But I still remember Brother Steve when he came in. He, had, he came in, and I'll tell you, when he came in, he hit the altar praying. We baptized him. The Lord filled him with the Holy Ghost, and he just started to preaching to everybody he saw. beautiful experience with the Lord. Now, he did something that I wouldn't recommend, and I don't know if it worked, but it worked in his innocence. I remember he told me he went out where he was living. I, I Now, the, the way I learned about this, Kathy Sithestad, who was a friend that lived in the home where Steve lived, a bunch of people lived there in a in and type home, and, and so... Uh, she called me up and said I need to talk. I didn't know who she was. She said, I know uh, Steve Dahl, and I, I'd like to uh, uh, come and talk with you. Well, I said, okay, I'd like you to come to church. She couldn't come to church, but she said, I will come at 12 o'clock. 12 o'clock noon, she walked in my office, and uh, I invited her in, and I sat down, and did you know, just, I mean, right off the bat, she started crying, tears started flowing. She was sobbing and weeping, and she said, i got to be saved. I said, uh, you know, uh, what's, what's the deal? And she said, Steve. Oh, she said, Steve. She said, uh, I don't really know if I like him or if I hate him. She said, I, but she said, uh, I said, well, what happened? She said, well, you know, he doesn't know the Bible. And he thinks he's right. And uh, she said, he's real pushy. You know, Steve's pushy, he's always been pushy. And so, uh, talking but here she's weeping. She's crying. So uh, I said, what happened? She said, well, he started talking to us about speaking in tongues and about being baptized and all this. Well, he, we asked him where he got there, and he said, out oh, of the Bible, but he couldn't show us because he said, I'm a new student. I don't know anything about the Bible, but I know it's real because somebody over there done in front of those people as they all gather around and he starts praying and I mean to tell you Kathy said all of a sudden she said he started rolling in the floor and and all of a sudden he started to, he just weeping and sobbing and crying and they're all sitting there watching him see and then all of a sudden he starts speaking in tongues and she said you know he shot up out of the floor like a bullet and hit, actually hit the ceiling I said then what did he do she said he took out running down the street But i tell you what, it not only convinced her, but it convinced a whole lot of people. Really? You know, you know, you've never seen anything like that in your life, have you? And then, of course, she said he walked back, he came back in the house, and he said, well, that's how it's done. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's the way we do it. See, now Steve told me one time after that, he said, you know what? I tell you, I, I just can't believe that I actually did that, but I know I did. And he said, uh, you know, it's a wonder that they all didn't really get turned off. But that's that's the way he did. And you see, sometimes new people coming in, they don't really know how to do things proper. Now, God can use that, you know, can he? See, Christianity is the only religion in the world that teaches from every bad thing can come something good. And that's so beautiful. But a lot of things that you do in the primary stages of your Christian experience will turn people off. You know, you, you're you eating up with zeal, and you want to be so zealous, and you go out and you want to win souls. And the Bible speaks of people who are zealous. They have a lot of zeal, but not according to knowledge. And so people get turned off. And so your parents or your loved ones, your aunts and uncles, grandfather, grandmother, they may have seen some apparent weakness in you, and they may they may equate that to the sum total of, of the apostolic church. Really, you'd be surprised at the opinions that some people have of us. You know, it's simply because they don't really know what's happening. There was a man told me, and I, he told me, he said, uh, Well, I'd never go to an apostolic church. Now, this was another city. I was working in the city. And he says, I went by that church one time, and he said, You know, they were in there whistling and cheering. And I looked in the window, and he said, They were, they were throwing up their hats and tossing them and clapping. And, and he said, kicking up their shoes. He said, I saw a couple of shoes flying. Well, listen. I had preached in that church. And I'll tell you, that church would have been a whole lot better off if they'd done some of that every now and then. <laughs> but they didn't do anything like that. I know they didn't. But now, he—he he, he, that's what he thought he saw. And he was saying, you talking about corny and you talking about terrible. Oh, I'd never be a member of that church. What he needs is some sweet loved one to pray a hedge of thorns around him. And I suggest that hedges of thorns be prayed only around your loved ones. And the reason why is because your loved ones can't always forsake you. You know, you're there. You see, it's a relationship like a father and a son. I love my dad so much. And I'll always be my dad's son. And regardless of whether you would accept me or anybody else would accept me, my dad would always love me. And I always know that. And you can't get away from that. And this is the reason why that Hosea prayed that kind of prayer, because he knew that there was a relationship that would never be forgotten. And he prayed this type of relationship. He was actually praying that things would get so bad and so rough for that wayward wife of his that all of a sudden, as the thorns began to prick and stick and aggravate that God was going to allow that personality change and everything to turn her friends off. But he knew what was going on, and the meaner this hag got, the more Hosea smiled. Hallelujah. Praise God for the thorns. You see, God can change circumstances. He can change your mind about things that you just don't think He can change your mind about. There was a man in the Old, prophet, uh, Old Testament, a prophet by the name of Jonah, that, that when God spoke to him and said, Jonah, I want you to go down to Nineveh. Now, Jonah was a preacher already. He didn't want to go to Nineveh. Now, let me tell you something. When I first started serving the Lord, I served God with all of my might. I testified with, to people. I did everything. Now, when God began to deal with me about the ministry, I almost backslid. Now, I don't know why I didn't want to preach. And let me just say this. If I'm talking to any young man here tonight, if you're running from the ministry, oh, you don't know what you're running from. There is no position in this world equivalent to being a preacher. Now you take it from me. Now I worked on public jobs and I don't know what it's like to to have a day of real fulfillment. But you've never 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 felt fulfillment until you've helped somebody gain eternal life. And you know that your counseling is encouraging them toward an eternal destiny in which they will live forever and ever and ever. You talk about encouragement I don't want anybody feeling sorry for me over the fact that I'm a preacher. Somebody not long ago said, oh, but Brother Grant, you're on 24-hour call. That's true. If you have an emergency, you can call me any time of day or night. And I have people say, well, I didn't want to bother you, Brother Grant, because you stayed busy. That's true. But I stay busy doing what I like to do, helping people. And it was such a great, great thing when finally I surrendered and said, Lord, I will preach the gospel. But I think all of you. Brother John, you probably struggle with that. Brother Felix struggled with that. I know Brother Keith struggled with that. Brother Chuck Cox was in my office time after time after time after time again and talking to me about it. Should I or should I not? I try to ease their mind by saying, don't worry about it. If God wants you to preach, you will work right into the ministry. It might be that you will never preach, so don't worry about it. Do what you need to do to be the best Christian you can be. But I struggled with that and struggled with that, and I almost backslid. You're talking about such a... And this I can understand what Jonah was going through. God wanted him to go to Nineveh. The only Gentile city in the whole Old Testament that had a revival. And the Jews were not noted for leniency toward other people. And he felt social pressure. That social pressure was there. And he felt when God said, go to Nineveh, Nineveh! I'll go prophesy to my own people, but not to Nineveh. So he went down to, the, to Joppa, and he purchased a ticket, and he's going to Tarshish. That's not Tarsus, where Paul came from. Tarshish is all the way across the Mediterranean in Spain. Now, I can tell you he wasn't going there to preach. Maybe to sunbathe or something, but not to preach. It's a long ways over there. I can get over here. And and so, what's going to happen? Well, you see, God has got to design some circumstances that are going to change this young prophet's mind. If you're going to be my child, I'm going to have to do some real work on you But God knew exactly what Jonah needed. And God knows what your loved one needs to be saved. And God knows the very situation. He knows the very circumstance that will take to change your loved one's mind. Now, when you pray the hedge of thorns like Hosea did, you've got to be willing, however, to commit it to God. And this is where a lot of people have problems. You've got to commit it to God. Now, a lot of times, you know, we reach a place of frustration and we say, well, I can't do anything about this. All I can do is pray, as if prayer doesn't work. Listen, what do you mean all I can do is pray? That's all you need to do. You see, sometimes you can jump in and botch things up so much that people can't find God. But see, you're playing a low-profile, sweet role, see, where you can be the loving hand, the kind hand. Why? Because all the other people, they're going to be turned off. Your loved one's personality changes. And listen, if you don't think that they can change, you, listen, I have preached my heart out behind this pulpit only to see some of them slide right in here to the altar and pray. And they, they, two or three days later, they change their mind. And you would never believe that those tears could dry up so fast and clenched fists could be shaken in the very face of the people that, that invited them to the altar. It can happen that way. And you see, when you've got the devil whispering in your ear one thing and you've got God whispering in your ear something else, it can become most confusing if, you'd, confusing if you don't shut out one voice or the other. And what you're doing, every day, every night, you're down on your knees praying, you're saying, God, save my grandfather! God, save my grandfather! And God saying, "Paul, you know what you need to do today? You need to pray." And the devil's saying, "No, you're too old for that sissy stuff. Churches for old ladies and little kids. Oh, you don't need to pray." And God's saying, But Paul, you're getting older now. Go look at yourself in the mirror." Those big strong arms are not so strong anymore. You're headed toward your grave and you need to make peace with me. And the devil's saying, Ah, what will all your friends think? All your drinking buddies. So Paul comes out of the bathroom after looking in the mirror. And Maul comes up to him and said, What's on your mind today? What do you mean what's on my mind? Nothing wrong with me. A double-minded man is what? Unstable in all of his ways. And you see, that's exactly what happens when God begins to whisper in one ear and the devil begins to whisper in the other ear. But you see, you and God have something going. And you know the plan because you are the impetus behind it. And so when you go over to Grandfather's house and you begin to talk and Grandfather cuts you off, you know, it's like turning up the volume on a radio. More love. Here it comes. Real agape love like Jesus had. And I'm turning up the volume of my heart. And while he's so mean and so hateful and Grandfather and Grandmother now have already had 14 fights and it's not lunch yet, and he's tried to mow the yard and the nosy neighbor stuck his head in and he ran his nosy neighbor back in the house. Here you are. And grandfather bites your head off and you just smile and you say, you know, I just wanted to come over here and tell you that I've been thinking about you and if I can never help you. Well, I want to. And you go away and Oh, it's the first decent person I've seen all day. But you see, what sometimes wives do, husbands do, fathers do, mothers do, children do, is they react just like the neighbors react. They react just like grandmother reacts. And so when Grandfather bites your head off almost, you jump back very defensively. Man, I'm going to have to pray the devil out of you. If you'd have been in church Sunday night, that preacher would have given you a piece of his mind. I'm going to tell you, he had us all laying in the floor. And you ought to have been over there praying. And if you'd have been praying like I would, you'd be sweet like I am. And then when you leave and grandfather's got this hedge of thorns around him, he's saying, hey, there's not anybody in this world I can trust. And if I can't trust my granddaughter, who's a Christian, who can I trust? And you see, he's losing faith now. He's losing faith in all of humanity. Oh, God has opened a road to your loved one right through your heart, right through your kindness, right through your love. The door is open. Now, they may not express it to you because we've had husbands, some who sit right here who have vowed. They've sworn, I'll never go to my wife's church. Never. But you're here, and you're happy that you're here. What did they do? Every night, God, save my husband. Get a hold of my husband. I remember when Sister Jeanette was praying for her mother. You remember that, don't you, Sister Jeanette? Sister Jeanette's mother was in another church, and she didn't know that she needed to be baptized in Jesus' name or filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, Sister Jeanette knew it, and she was praying. And her mother was so set to stay in what she was in. God allowed a cancer to come to her body. And Jeanette's mother died of cancer. But prior to her death, she was baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. Praise God. The very circumstance that God designed is probably the reason why she's not in the world. But I'll tell you what, she's in a a better world and nobody can ever make me believe that Jeanette Cox didn't have something to do with that. But you see, because we are so reluctant sometimes to put them on the altar and say, God, whatever it takes, do it. Because sometimes when they get a little rough and they get irate, we go back and say, Oh, wait a minute, Lord, not so much pressure. I can't stand to be around them anymore. Now, you're going to have to take your hand off. Now, God, you're going to have to. But you see, Jesus spoke of the awfulness of hell in Luke, Mark, the ninth chapter, verse 43. This is what he said. If thine hand offend thee, cut it off. He said it's better for a man to go into heaven with one hand than into hell with two. And he says, if thine eye offend thee, plug it out! For it's better for a man to go into heaven with one eye than to go into hell with two! And we need to understand that hell is going to be just as hot for our loved ones as it is for anybody else who ever walks upon the face of this earth. And for this reason, we need to put them on the altar and we need to pray God whatever it takes. Now you've got to trust God. Listen, God's not willing that any should perish. So He's not going to just design something to zap them out and and lay them low. Oh, listen, God will not put any more pressure than what need be. This is the the reason that He sometimes deals a long time with some people. He knows just how to do it. He puts quick pressure on some. He knows your personality. He knows your character. He knows every fiber of your body. He knows how you think and what causes you to think the way you are. He knows how much pressure you can stand and how much you can't. And God's going to look down and He's going to create the very circumstance that needs to be. He knows. He knows! He knows! And you've got to understand that God does not want any person to perish. So God in His... Oh, powerful hand, the way he deals with people. He's not just going to slap them and wipe them out. No, he's not that kind of God. We've got to trust him. And this is what Hosea did. He said, now, Lord, Gomer belongs to you. And we're going to pray this hedge of thorns around her. Now, I know that you can't save her against her will, but God, somehow, you're going to have to just create some circumstances and things that will change her. And so as a result, the men passed by, her lovers, and they just waved at Gomer. Have a nice day, Gomer. Well, what's going on here? And after a while, after all of her friends forsook her, And every circumstance seemed to be so bad. What happened to Gomer? She began to think about what it was like with Hosea. Oh, she thought, Hosea, he gave me bread, he gave me oil. I had a beautiful relationship with him. Everything was fine over there at his house. I wonder if he'd take me back. And so she comes back. And this is what we ended in today, Luke 15, when Jesus gave the parable of the prodigal. Isn't that what happened to the prodigal? He said, Give me what is mine. And he took. And God carefully designed some circumstances so that he would spend all of his money. And after a while, he was down in the hog pen. He was slopping the hogs. He was so hungry. He's going to do something now he never thought he would do. He looked this way and that way, and while nobody was looking, he reached down and he got a handful of that slop, and he put it in his mouth, and he began to eat that stuff. Whew! Dear me and they chewed it for a while and they swallowed it I've got to do this because I'm so hungry and I don't have any money and so it gets a little bit more eats a little bit more and while he's eating that hog slop guess what comes to his mind I wonder what the servants are doing in my father's house I'll guarantee you they're not eating with the pigs The Bible says then he came to himself. Something turned over in his mind. Wait a minute. This is crazy. The only true friends I've ever had are in my father's house. And he got up and he made his way back that long winding road that went back to the father's house. He remembered the fellowship of his brother and the servants and of his father. And right now, throughout homes in this city and throughout the state of Wisconsin, there are people who are coming to themselves. And you know what they're thinking? The only true friend I know is Felix Crowder. He's never done me wrong. He's always been sweet and kind while everybody else has turned their back on me. The only true friend I know is Sonny Hahn. I wonder where Sonny is. I wonder if I still have his telephone number. The only true friend I have is John Seidel. He's always kind and sweet while everybody else is trying to take advantage of me. See, that's how it works. God cannot save them against their their will. But God can create circumstances that can change the mind of a man, a woman or a boy or a girl. And I feel right now that some of you, as you sit here, that you're manifesting faith for a loved one like you never have manifested before. Why don't you let your faith release right now as you reach out to God for an alcoholic dad or mom. For a wayward son. For a mom or dad who just rebels against the truth. For a husband or for a wife. For a brother or for a sister. Could you do that right now? Hello Oh, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Praise God. God wants to save your Father. He's been to church several times. God wants to save your mother. She's been here too. Oh, God. Send a revival, Lord, to the lost loved ones of the household of the faith. Oh, glory, 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 glory. Hello, Mohusha Mahushakaya, Mandala, Mahatai. Oh, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. People all over the sanctuary are praying. If some of you would like to come to the altar and pray, please feel invited to right now. If you're here and you have never committed your life to the Lord, I want you to know God loves you and God cares for you. Why don't you come on right now and submit your life to the Lord? Oh, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Thank God, thank God, thank God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. A prayer request, let's pray for Adam Gifford. He needs it right now, okay? That's why Brother O'Neill had to leave. Praise God, Jesus. God, we pray for Adam right now that You would indeed allow Your Holy Spirit to come and rest upon him. I'm praying and believing, God, that you will strengthen his body, that you will raise him up, God. Oh, Savior, we pray right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, thank God for your healing power. Thank God for your healing power. Thank God. For your healing power. Praise God. Husbands and wives, if you're praying for a lost loved one, why don't you pray together? Catch your wife's hand and pray with her. Bind together. If two or three in the earth touching any one thing, the Bible says it shall be done. We will manifest faith. We will believe right now that God will do it. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be the name of the Lord,
1: blessed be the name of the
0: Lord. Oh, hallelujah,
1: hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. God is your holy name, Lord
0: glory of God would come and Lord that you would rest upon us with great faith just like you rested upon the prophet Hosea in the Old Testament Oh oh God oh God oh God oh God Lord we love you we love you we worship you God we praise you oh Lord with our whole heart with our mind with our soul God we love you Oh Lamo Lord in your, name, in, your name, in, your
1: name,
0: in your name 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 in your name. God, we love you. God, we worship you, God, we praise you. Oh hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord Blessed be the name of the Lord Blessed be the name of the Lord Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God Move upon us with great faith Intensify our burdens, Lord Increase our concern, Lord For our lost loved ones Oh, Savior God, we believe in you, Lord. 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 Oh, God, you are indeed the author and the finisher of our faith. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. God, You are so mighty, Lord, and You're so true. Jesus, Jesus, You're the author and finish of our faith. God, we never want to leave You nor forsake You. We never want to turn our backs upon You, God. Lord, we want to be willing servants, Lord. For the Bible declares, Whosoever falleth on the rock, it shall be broken. But upon whom the rock falleth, it shall grind him to powder. God, we'd rather be a broken piece, oh God, than powder, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. But, oh Lord, you've got a way of making us want to, oh God, you have, you have, you have. Oh. Hallelujah, 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 Hallelujah. Lord, in Your name, in Your name, in Your name, in Your name, in Your name. Praise God, praise God. Continue to pray. Continue to seek the Lord. Oh, Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. God, we love You, we love You, we love You. We worship You, God. We praise You, God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. God, in your name, in your name, in your name, in your name, in your name. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. God, we worship you. God, we do. We worship you. We call upon your name. God, your name is the all-powerful, all saving